We are looking at the book of Matthew, of course, still, and we are in chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we're about to enter what's called the antithesis statements of Yeshua. There are the statements that say, begin, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And if we're going to understand these statements, we have to think back to last week and put them into their proper context. Remember, last week we saw that the context is not about abolishing the law, but about fulfilling the law. And it's about having one's righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. And so keep in mind that Yeshua is telling us how to live lives that exceed those of the Pharisees. How to live kingdom lives. Let's look at where we left off. I want to just point this out one more time. We'll read through it quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Till heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. But I want to look a little closer at the meaning here. Yeshua tells us that the commandments will not pass and that those who teach others not to keep them will be not much in the kingdom of heaven. And those that do keep the commandments and teach others to do the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And he also tells us that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven because their righteousness didn't make it. And the last verse is the key to that statement. You see, the rabbis had a system of keeping the commands that was based on adding more laws to protect the people from violating the laws in the Torah. That was the Pharisees' idea of righteousness, to allow their own code of law to keep your actions above the laws of God. But Yeshua says here that that's not good enough. Your righteousness must exceed that. And what I'm going to do today is show you that If you live your life striving through rabbinic Judaism, you're going to spend a life apart from God. Oh, you may look pious on the outside. The Pharisees looked pious on the outside, but Yeshua said they were whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but full of unclean things on the inside. After this thought, he will begin to teach his own halakha, his own halakhic rulings. And what we're going to see is that Yeshua doesn't do away with the commandments of the Torah, but he actually seems to raise the bar on the commands to a level that's almost seemingly impossible to keep. As an example, do not murder becomes don't be angry with your brother. Now, who can sit here and tell me they've never been angry with their brother? Really, folks? Anyone? Yeshua is telling us, though, what kingdom living will be, how his disciples will live. And while that does seem impossible, if you put your lives in Yeshua's hand, he's able to help you achieve this level of observance. The righteous standards he's putting forth is the unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's telling us how to exceed that righteousness of the Pharisees. And so this is kingdom of heaven righteousness, and this is what will enter you into the kingdom. That righteousness is the true heart of God for his people. But let's put them in their Hebrew context. Let's look at this from 
a Hebrew context what he's saying. First, we should understand that the rabbis saw the commands as weighty and as light. In other words, some commands carried much more weight than others. Our translators translated Yeshua's words here, least and great. But if we look at this word that's great, it's the word megas in the Greek. And it does mean great, but if you notice down a little farther, it says mass, weight, a great weight. Notice it says weighty or heavy. And so this is what Yeshua means here. The rabbis classified the commands as weighty, and the weighty ones were the ones with the heaviest penalty. But Yeshua says much more here. He says something much different. Listen to what he says. He uses this term weighty elsewhere in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 22. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. And so what we need to understand here is that the rabbis of Yeshua's day, like even ourselves, looked at the weightier commands as those with the greatest penalty. And it's true. As an example, thou shalt not murder is a weightier command than thou shalt not eat fish without, with fin, without fins and scales. Murder requires your life according to the Torah should you violate it. Eating catfish causes you to be unclean for a day or two. So it is a weightier command. Yeshua, however, in his rulings on these commands does something a little different. And this is what we need to understand. He looks at the heart of a person. And he seems to say that love your neighbor from the heart is more weightier than all the other commands. In other words, while many rabbis looked at the commands as a way of living out life by a specific list of do's and don'ts, Yeshua looks at the Torah as an indicator of the heart. He looks at the heart of God for the proper way of walking in the kingdom. He's looking at the Torah and applying love your neighbor and love the Lord your God to each and every commandment as a method of walking out the commands of God. He's saying that keeping the commands of God is not a specific method of walking out a list of rules for living, but keeping Torah is a matter of living a life with relationship with God and relationship with men. And because of those two are so important to you that you'll end up treating those relationships as a very fragile and requiring great care. He begins this way in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And so what we have here is an obvious commandment. Any court of the Pharisees in the land of Israel in that day, if you murdered, would take your life in payment for that. An eye for an eye. He goes on to say, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Rakah is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out of jail until you have paid the last penny. And so Yeshua says, 
Thou shalt not murder is weighty, but it's not any more weighty than being angry with your brother. Or at least he's saying being angry with your brother is as weighty. And so Yeshua here puts emphasis not on the heavy command with the heavy penalty, but Yeshua puts emphasis on living a life that requires you not even be angry with your brother. Think about it. Being angry with your brother requires no penalty in the courts of the Pharisees. Can you imagine if I were to go to the Sanhedrin in Yeshua's day and say, I'd say, look, Nicodemus is mad at me. He's angry with me. I want to bring charges against him. What would they do? Well, they'd laugh at you and send you away. There's no penalty for this. So what we see Yeshua doing here is he's telling us that the command with the heavy penalty is no worse than this command with no penalty. But here's the deal. Yeshua is concerned with our hearts. And so he brings these things up as they are where murder is born. Anger births murder. Anger births evil speech. Evil speech, the rabbis teach, is the equivalent of murder because you kill the person's good name. Yeshua is looking at the heart and saying, God looks at the heart and the law is good, but the law does not always state the heart of God. To forgive, to have mercy, to be compassionate, because those things are going to judge you as well. And second, he's telling us that this is the righteousness in the kingdom. The righteousness of the Pharisees falls short of this. They demand judgment for murder, yes. But there is another assembly that judges your heart. And that assembly is going to demand justice for your anger, for your evil speech, for your unforgiveness. And this court's judgment, I'm afraid, is eternal. And so while Yeshua is saying, thou shalt not murder, has a heavier penalty, it's an easier command because who goes out of their house in the morning and say, I'm going to murder somebody today? But how many people go out of their house in the morning with anger against their brother that they picked up the day before and went to bed with? Yeshua is saying to us, take care of our heart. Do you see how this fits into the statement? Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. No Pharisee would ever argue with thou shalt not murder. But how many would argue with being angry? Yeshua is saying that life in his kingdom is such that because your anger will separate you from your brother, it will separate you from your brother as surely as if you murdered him. Yeshua is saying destroying your brother through your evil speech will kill you your brother, just as surely as if you take a knife to him. Apart from all of this, Yeshua is saying that his followers will be so grieved. Think about this. His followers will be so grieved at the thought of losing relationship with someone they love that there's nothing that they won't do to make things right with their brother. That's the kind of righteousness that God desires. This is the kind of righteousness the rulings of the Pharisees fell short of. Listen to what he says next. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your old body to go into hell. You know... Yeshua says, if you commit adultery, the righteousness of the Pharisees will demand it of you. But there's another who sees your heart that will judge you even if you look at someone in that way. 
One who sees your heart demands that you control your eyes as well. And that not only are you faithful in your actions, but you are faithful in your eyes and in your heart. Yeshua tells us that his righteousness demands that anything in this life that causes you to be sin, that you deal with it severely. A heart devoted to God does not look at the world, but keeps its eyes on the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean that you... you Gouge out your eyes? Is that really what Yeshua is saying? That you literally gouge out your eye if, you're, if, if, if you look at another woman? No, he's telling you, though, to deal with your sin severely. 31 says, It has been said, Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Think about this in regard to the righteousness of the Pharisees. The Torah and the Pharisees permit divorce. The fact is some of the Pharisees had twisted the Torah so badly that they allowed divorce for something as simple as burning dinner. Their righteousness demanded that you give a certificate of divorce. And as long as you did the paperwork and it was done properly, you were divorced. Yeshua says any divorce that wasn't except for marital unfaithfulness is no divorce at all. And you're still married. Divorce and marry another and you commit adultery. In other words, he's saying that divorce is not valid. You've committed adultery. Yeshua says one whose righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees would never divorce his wife except that she were unfaithful. And let's face facts. He may even find it in his heart to forgive her for that. Yeshua tells some of the Pharisees something about divorce in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 39. Or verse 3 through 9. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read... He replied that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together let no man separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Yeshua replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not that way from the beginning. I tell you the truth that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. And so Yeshua tells us that the whole idea, this, this whole idea of divorce to include the law in Torah permitting divorce was actually a compromise from God's ideal. It isn't what he wanted. And so divorce is not the heart of God for his people. The heart of God concerning marriage is stated in Genesis. Now when the disciples heard this, this is the way they responded. Verse 10, it says, The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. I want you to think about that for a minute because there's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure that's the same thing that the people of Israel said when Moses said, you shall not divorce your wives. And so God and Moses sat down and had to compromise on the issue. Right? 
But Yeshua in his sermon tells us the real kingdom standard is that even if you follow that compromise and write a certificate of divorce, you're not relieved of responsibility for your wife. Her actions will still count against her and you, and not only hers, but the one she marries. And so Yeshua is saying that our responsibility for each other goes farther than the literal understanding of Torah the laws of the fair and the laws of the Pharisees, but it goes to loving each other with a love so complete that we keep our covenants with each other. That our standard of righteousness is such that it includes the actions of those we affect in this life. We are our brother's keepers. And Yeshua does something else. I want you to know something else Yeshua does that varies from the rabbis of his day. And it concerns the formula he uses. He says, you've heard it say, but I say unto you. That's different from the rabbis of the day. The rabbis of the day might say, you've heard it said, but rabbi so-and-so said. Yeshua doesn't say that. He says, but I say unto you. And it's the reason is he's the prophet like unto Moses who would speak the very words of God. God doesn't rely on the teachings of men. Because his teachings is not of men. Yeshua's teachings are the very words of God. But I want you to think about it. God is saying to you, I've not called you to the righteousness of the Pharisees. I've not called you to the righteousness of the Baptists, the Lutherans, or the Messianics. I've called you to a halakha of the heart. A heart so grieved by the world that that heart will do whatever it takes to see the kingdom established in this life and in this community. A halakha that is spirit-led, spirit-filled with a love for God and a love for his fellow man. Let me tell you in a nutshell what Yeshua is saying here. He's saying and he's asking us as we read this, what's in your heart? What's the motivator of your life? Are you like the Pharisees, motivated by the letter of the law? Or are you motivated by a heart of God? Are you motivated by the law? Or are you motivated by relationship with God? And he's saying, if you're motivated by anything other than relationship with God and loving your fellow man, you will fall short of the kingdom, as did the Pharisees Yeshua speaks of. And let me tell you how I know that. Because there's something here that everyone misses, or at least I always miss. Because I want you to think about something. Yeshua just laid out the kingdom standards for living. But how is it that anyone was supposed to know this? Remember what he said? If I divorce my wife for anything other than marital faithfulness, I have caused her to become an adulteress. And not only that, I have caused the one she marries to commit adultery as well. That's what Yeshua said. I defy you to find that somewhere in the Torah. I defined you to find that anywhere else in the Bible. That if you divorce your wife, you cause her to commit adultery. Find it. It's not there. I challenge you to find it in the Torah or in rabbinic law. The fact is the only way you can know that is if you know the king. The only way the disciples knew that and were able to record those words for, for us here is they knew the king. And that's an awesome thought. And it shows us where we can miss the heart of God, especially when you consider that the disciple Matthew put this down for here, and it's really just the tip of the iceberg. Yeshua just covers a few commands of hundreds here. But consider this. He has a kingdom standard for each and every one of the other commands of God as well. 
And the only way that you can understand the heart of God for his commands is if you go to the heart of God. The only way you can truly know Torah is to know the Lord. And the only way that you can do that is have relationship with the king and then walk out the king's command. You have to have relationship with the king in order to know the heart of God for his command. You know, I remember I went to the conference a few years ago and and I went to the conference this year. I did skip a year. But I remember I was thinking as I wrote the sermon, you know, I prayed for the same thing at both of those conferences that I went to last time. Last time and this time. I was praying, God, what do you want me to do with Sar Shalom? You know, when you think about Sar Shalom, we grew out of our building on Ford Parkway six years ago. And we really grew out of it for the second time because the first time we just divided the congregation in half, sent half of them on their way. So this was the second time we grew out of the building. And guess what? We're growing out of this one now. It's double the size of the one we left. And now we're growing out of this one again. And I remember as I prayed, God spoke to my heart. I didn't want to just relieve overcrowding. I don't want a community. I don't want to go out and and do something that's just going to relieve overcrowding. Because if I do that, I'm going to miss the heart of God. And so I asked, I remember, he spoke to my heart and he said, you know something, Stan? He says, I preached to thousands on this mountain because this was the portion that was in my mind. I was reading this Matthew chapter 5. He says, I want you to think about something. He says, I preached to thousands on this mountain. And I went to another mountain and preached to thousands more. And I went throughout the towns of Israel, preaching, doing miracles, healing the sick, all the sick that I encountered. And I spoke and I taught. And yet on the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 on my holy mountain that the Spirit of God was poured out on. I brought them under my wing. 120 out of the thousands upon thousands that he preached to. And he said, you know, I'm not concerned with numbers, but build me a community with a heart and a love for you and for each other. Build me a community with a heart and a love for me. And if it's a group of 12 or 1,200, I'll be pleased. That's Yeshua's heart. And I want to build a community just like that. I want to build a community where I feel loved and I feel safety and I feel secure. And everybody else does as well because I know that this community, we love one another. If we want to serve God in spirit and truth, then we have to take this community to the next level. We have to fill this place with people who hear from the king. There were, at that time, two years ago, there were those in the community of Sar Shalom who really weren't part of the community. I want you to think about that, those of you who have been here for a while. Oh, they were in the building, all right. They were here every Shabbat, all right. They'd been here for years. But they really weren't part of the community. They were here because they had an agenda of their own. Some of them were angry people, and some of them were legalists. And as painful as it was, we've done some things that kind of pulled us, this community, together in the last two years. And at the same time, caused some to leave on their own. And it was just simple things. When I think back on them, I think how simple it was. Simple things like signing a statement of faith of what we believe. Things like signing the bylaws that say that we'll treat each other with kindness and respect. And there were some people who couldn't do that. All we wanted to do was know that the person sitting next to us was on the same page as we were, right? And yet, they couldn't do that. And so they left on their own. We didn't, they just left on their own. And now we have a community that's stronger And it's filled with people who love Yeshua. 
You see, if you're going to please Yeshua, then you have, we have to fill this place with a people who are concerned with loving speech toward one another, who are not concerned with, is concerned with clean and unclean foods. That's easy, but are concerned with clean hands and a clean heart that pour forth the love of the Lord for his people. People who are not are so concerned with following the edicts of the law but have God's love so permeated in their hearts that the Torah really is archaic principles used to condemn us but fall short of the righteous lives. A community where the rules of men are replaced by lives that are filled with relationship with the Holy One of Israel and relationship with one another with people who aren't satisfied to leave the house in the morning without spending some time in their prayer closet and getting the word of the Lord for the day, who've spent some time with God in fellowship with him so that as you go out of your house that day, you're guided in your walk by Yeshua throughout the day. We need to fill this place with those who are not so concerned with a minuscule amount of porcine in the chips as the anger that just came from their lips over the chips. Not so concerned with the way, which way the ark is facing as they are with the problems their brothers are facing. Those who instead of crying about whether we say Jesus or Yeshua are crying out in anguish because the way his name is blasphemed by people's lack of commitment to him. We need to fill this place with people who have a heart to serve the master so that we don't have a hard time finding people for the children's department because our walls are filled with those people whose hearts are consumed with serving God. People so consumed that they lay down their lives for him so that our problem isn't finding people for the children's department, but what are we going to do with all the people who want to serve in the children's department? We need a community of people that mourn for and are heartbroken for those who are heartbroken who when people come in looking for truth, realize that people come in here are more than likely in a fragile state. They realize that they are heartbroken because they see the world just as we see it and are heartbroken over what they see. And so when they come in, we're careful with our words and we speak comfort to them. We don't judge But we remember, hey, we were once searching when we came in those back doors and someone took us under their wings. We're kind and careful with us. And then we're careful with those who come in here. And so can you hear the heart of Yeshua in his words this morning? Open up your spiritual eyes and ears this morning because God is speaking. The Spirit of God is trying to teach us to open our hearts. Yeshua is trying to teach us on the mountain to open our hearts. And open your heart this morning. Look at your brother and sister and see how important they are to God. See how loved by God your brother and your sister are. And those people who come through the back door are, or the front door, or whatever door. We got a lot of doors. (laughs) Whatever door they come in, they're loved by God. And open your heart to the love God has for them. Feel the love that God has for them. I I think we all need to open our heart to being a visitor once more. How God once had your heart broken, your heart was grieved by what was being taught maybe in the church you were at, the lack of love in the church you were at, or maybe what was being taught in the church you were at. I don't know what brings people, whatever brought you here. But maybe you heard a radio show, you saw the website, now you've maybe heard the TV show. But you came in, and when you came in those back doors, think about it. You were fearful, you were skeptic, 
and you walk through those doors carrying the hurt of the last church on your shoulder and then think about how maybe it was Stan or maybe it was Tom or someone spoke to your needs that day, they comforted you that day and then turn to a visitor today and show him that same comfort. Open your eyes to the heart of those visitors and see how loved they are by God and feel the love that he has for them and the way that he's grieving with them. And let God break our hearts this morning so that Sar Shalom is a place where the Prince of Peace reigns supreme, where the law of God is not practiced by a list of rules, but the heart of God is lived out with each and everything that we say and do. A community of people that are so content, so blessed, so content, secure, and happy in what Yeshua has done for them, that we are the salt that brings savor and permanence to the lives of those people around us, who bring light, peace, and blessing to those in a world who are searching for the king. And that is what Yeshua found in those 120 who were on the mountain that day on Shavuot, Pentecost, that he didn't find in the Pharisees and those who sat in the seat of Moses. A community who want to sit at the feet of the master only and grow dusty in the dust of his feet.